What's going on, y'all? Welcome into another episode of the podcast, episode 10. And man, I've been on the podcast train a lot this week, trying to get out into a, a routine and get back on the podcast game. I enjoyed doing it at the end of 2019. And so we are trying to start strong in the month of February. And so episode 10, we're going to have uh, a little bit of a whole elite series preview for the Bassmaster Elite Series, kind of some predictions of uh, winners um, from each event, and I'm going to have my boy Kyle Jesse, you guys heard from him a couple episodes ago when we talked about how he kind of got his start working with Bassmaster events through Bassmaster Live uh, and coverage like that. So, Kyle, what's going on, man? Not much, Ronnie, not much, Ronnie. Just uh, just excited to get this season going. Uh, we're here the day before the first event of the Elites, and uh, just excited to get this season you know, underway. Yeah, when this podcast goes up, it'll be day one. You know, the guys are already going to be out there competing. So I wanted to make sure we got it in, got some predictions in, just so we're on the record in case this stuff goes down, that we have proof that, hey, we picked something. But also we have proof to say, hey, we know nothing about bass fishing and we got it wrong. So that's also a possibility. But with the St. John's River coming up first, uh, we're going to go through and I'm going to give we're going to go back and forth and give our picks. And so our picks, not meaning fantasy fishing where we pick a five person team, but rather the winner, just, sure. just a guy that we think could win the event based on uh, a reason or two um, for that specific event. So for the St. John's river, we obviously know the grass situation isn't like it used to be, but it's like it was in 2019 where it's just, you know, some eel grass, not a bunch of it, but some of it, there was probably a little bit more growth this year. Cause it kind of was like a regular year in Florida. But it's still not like it used to be. And uh, with that being said, there's still big bass there. We saw that. There's still reeds to be to be fished and for fish to catch, uh, to be caught this time of the year. And January, February is pretty dangerous in Florida. Dangerous for two reasons. Cold weather really doesn't, doesn't go well with the Florida strain largemouth. And then the moon, though. The spawn is on, and you never know when you get two or three days of warm weather how quickly hundreds of thousands of fish flood to the banks. Um, and so this week we're kind of dealing with those conditions as well. It's been cold all of practice. Today, today or Wednesday was the off day, and then Thursday, day one. Those two days right here, Wednesday and Thursday, are supposed to be warmer than they've been all week. And uh, the sun with slick, calm conditions over the last day or so is probably going to help heat that shallow Florida water up. So I'm going to go ahead and make my pick. And we didn't do these together, so if we if we match up on any, it'll be interesting. But for the first event at the St. John's River, my two picks, my my gut pick, and the guy I really think is going to win is Cliff Prince. Not going out too far on a limb there, but it hasn't really lined up for him lately. Like in 2016, he almost won it. He got like sixth place after having only like 10 pounds on day one because of all of his fish died. You know, the he he clicked the wrong button on his uh on his console and the fish all all died so he couldn't make any calls ended up having a great comeback finished sixth but he's really one of those guys that prospers when it's cold you know the offshore bite at florida so i think that this could really be his tournament plus if it goes away and fades like it has in past years i think that he's ready to adjust so cliff prince is my pick and then my my secondary pick for the saint john's would be drew benton i think drew benton sight fishing I think there's certain anglers that have it within them to go for a win. You know, a lot of these guys will fish uh, maybe tentative or they want to just salvage a good finish. But I think when you get a chance to fish a home body of water or a place you know well that you're going to go for it and try to win it. And I think Benton's one of those guys, and and he'd rather finish 30th and, and try to win it than finish 27th 
with trying to just get a, a solid finish. So Cliff Prince and Drew Benton are my two picks. What do you, who do you got for the St. John's? All right, Ronnie already did mention this, but on the record, while we were making our picks, uh, we made a conscious effort not to talk about it just because we wanted to uh, – to you know, make them as pure as possible, and you know, like he said, if they matched up, they matched up. Well, right off the jump, we're already going to match up. But with that being said, I have Drew Bitten being the the my number one pick, and then Cliff Prince being my number two. Um, like Ronnie mentioned, not necessarily going out on a limb, really, but uh, in Florida, I mean, you see it happen so much. I mean, experience definitely plays big time. Um, and you know, with Drew Bitten being my first pick, I'm kind of thinking. Um, on the possibility of what happened last year, um, and, and we were kind of talking about this off um, off air a second ago, was, um, you know, those fish started moving to the bank, getting up there, I mean, more and more each day throughout the tournament. Um, I think if, if that were to transpire again this year, uh, you know, Drew Benton's one of the best for sure looking at him. Um, you know, last year you saw him catch the real, you know, real big one right off the bat. Um, I mentioned in our last podcast, one of my favorite catches ever, um, I just I just like Drew Bitten if that were to happen. And then um, Cliff Prince, to me, is just a, a good layup pick in the sense that regardless how the tournament plays out, I feel like he's going to, you know, have some some counteractive, you know, approach to, to make it happen. I mean, he's always right there, like you said, every time we've been there. And, uh, you know, I could definitely see him putting it together all the way this year. What's hilarious is if you talk to Cliff Prince after last year's event, the way he would speak and the way he would act is like, if he got a 50th place finish, but he got 17th. He's like, yeah, the fish were just, they were leaving me, man, and blah, blah, blah. He got 17th. He was close to making the final day cut fishing those offshore deals, which was really interesting because there was a point in live last year where it was the Cliff Prince show. Like, it oh, was, he sure. caught like 12 casts in a row. And, and if it lines up, it, all it takes is one day, all it takes is 40 minutes. He catches his weight and can go look for bedfish the rest of the oh, day. Yeah, it'll it'll give him time, and and that's what happened when he even had the deadfish deal on day one in 2016. He had the rest of that day to go just look because he couldn't call because the you know because right, the rules. Right, the so literally, he got to look, and we would like to say, oh, if he didn't have him die, he would have won. Well, he wouldn't have been afforded probably the opportunity to go look for fish because he found like a 10 pounder on bed and caught it day two. So. Uh, you never know how it's going to change from one day to the other. But like you said, yeah, a bad day for Cliff Prince on the St. John's River is a top 20 day for anybody else. So, for sure. Um, going to Lake Chickamauga in the second event of the year, next week it'll be, you know, every single event this year is a back-to-back situation except for the last one. So we're going to leave the St. John's River and we'll be at Lake Chickamauga this time next week. What do you expect uh, there and who are your picks? We'll start you out first. Okay. So um, I'd actually previously mentioned to Ronnie that I actually had the opportunity to talk to John Cruz here at a, a big trade show here not too long ago. And um, and we talked about that event and kind of the way he was thinking it would set up just made me think that a guy like Bill Lowen could uh, could possibly come through and, and have a really good tournament, you know. Um, I think there'll be a lot of different deals going on depending on uh, the amount of rain we get between now and then and uh, water clarity and everything else. But it seems like you know pre-spawn tougher tournaments like not necessarily weight wise but like grinders tournaments um you know i could see him easily being you know like a a shallow water crankbait kind of guy doing doing that deal or if it was like a a flipping deal i mean you know you could easily see him grinding all day like the classic in um 
16 where he's flipping the tube on Grand and just, you know, he's, he's capable of, of making a tournament like that if the conditions make it tough. Um, you know, he could still come through and, and, you know, have a really good event. So I like Bill Lowen on that one. And then also um, just a gut pick. Hadn't really – don't really have a, a great explanation, but I had David Mullins, obviously an East Tennessee guy. Um, you know, I, I thought back to last year on uh, Lake Lanier throwing that DT6 and doing that kind of deal. I think you'll see – you know, see, um, you'll see things like that play out as well in that tournament. And like I said, it's a uh, kind of a wild card in the sense that uh, the elites and really Bassmaster in general has not been their pre-spawn like early in the year like this. And I, I, you know, I don't know if ever really. Um, so, so I think that you know East Tennessee guys tend to do really well over in that area. You know, especially pre-spawn. Um, so I, I like to I'd like to think there's a good chance he could come through. Yeah, that late winter deal at Chickamauga, early early pre spawn, late late winter, is kind of an un, untapped thing at Chickamauga. But I know a lot of pros in the region go to Chickamauga this time of the year sure. for fun fishing to catch a giant fish. Giants, so yeah. I literally think we could see guys come in with three fish for 22 pounds like because they catch they yeah. catch a 10 pounder and oh, two no. sevens or something. They're like, man, if only I could have caught two more. So it could be one of those deals. And I've got something similar picks. I've got Brandon Lester as my winner of that one, I think. Uh, He was my first overall pick, if we had to word it that way. I think him cranking, him doing a lipless, um, him even, like, tightlining, things like that, like, even weird stuff. Not that tightlining is going to factor, but with those – when fish maybe get suspended on a bluebird day in winter and it's, like, brutally tough to catch them, he could be one that does well. Um, I, I think that Brandon Lester knows that play's good enough. And uh, it'll be really interesting with that one, but I think I think those DT crankbaits. I think a, uh, you know, a lipless or uh, you know, I got to ride with him at the classic on the final practice day uh, this past year at Fort Loudon, and some of the stuff that he tried ended up coming to fruition like the final day of the event when he jumped up and finished sixth. Uh, you know, so I think that he's going to be one that could probably get better each day of the event, which is always what you want in the winter time because it's hard to be consistent. So. I'd say Lester's my pick. And then another one is Hank Cherry. I think Hank Cherry with a jerk bait. This is kind of lining up. We don't have too many events in the late winter pre-spawn time period that that are on fishable water. Like, if I if that makes sense, we've had Cherokee uh, this time of the year, and then we went down to Okeechobee. Mm-hmm. Well, this year we're going to go to St. John's, and then we're going to go to Chickamauga. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when we have cold events – for the rest of the country, it's down in Florida, and so it's not really cold. It's different. Right. I think giving him an opportunity to throw a jerk bait when it's – he always throws it all year long, but when it's supposed to be thrown, you know, predominantly when people expect it to be thrown, I think that this could be really one where he could lock that in his hand and go get go get bites, whether it's on a shoal, you know, a flat, a, sure. a bluff wall around docks, whatever it is, I think that – or even over grass. There is some grass in some areas on Chickamauga. So – that's one thing I think Hank Cherry will uh, prosper in that one. I, think, um, I even think that, you know, kind of like we mentioned there, is is that tournament such a wild card in the sense that, you know, springtime weather, that tournament could play out completely different than what I'm thinking, what Ronnie's thinking in our heads. Like, we may look back later next week after the event, you know, halfway through the event and be like, wow, we were way off just based on the fact that, um, you know, the, the way that tournament will play out, like clearer water, dirtier water, um, like I said, so many variables, but that'll be a really interesting tournament one way or another. Yeah, I think we'll see some old school lures get put into play that, you know, we, we talk about a spinnerbait, sure. you know, a big Colorado-bladed spinnerbait or something like that, and maybe a lipless, two baits that sure. don't get thrown most of the time 
um, or don't or don't maybe execute on a win. Sure. So that's that's something I think that we'll be able to see there. Um, it'd be awesome to see like somebody catch a ten pounder on a spinnerbait like that. Sure, yeah, that uh, would I wouldn't something. I wouldn't object to that on live. Um, yeah. We we're gonna skip the classic. We'll talk about that one at some point. But in April, first week of April, we have Lake Eufaula, a place we haven't been in the elite since or in, with, never on the elites. But we went um, in like two thousand two and two thousand four. Um, when it was still like the top 100s and stuff like that. I believe Davey Height got a victory and Denny Brower got a victory in those two events that you follow. And since then, it has become, it, you know, since then it went downhill really bad. I think it had the bass virus there for a little while. And then it came back up and it is just, I mean, you got it. There was a 30 pound bag caught in a college Bass Nation event last weekend at you follow. So those, that, that fishery has them. And, since you went first for Chickamauga, I'm going to put my two picks out there. Early April, southern Alabama, right there, not far from Florida. It's half of Georgia. You know, it's down in that, right in the armpit. I don't know. That's probably not the best word. But in our, where all three of those states are close together. So it's going to be a little warmer than some other places. And I think that Drew Cook could get a win there. I think that if it's going to be sight fishing, I think uh, I think he's got experience at Gunnersville, at Seminole, at all those different lakes right around there. there, That and it's not too far from his house, anyways. But I don't know how many times he's just taken a trip to Eufaula. But now that his roommate and and best buddy Drew Benton had moved to Lake Eufaula, people probably don't know that he moved there to Blakely, Georgia, uh, over the off season. He's probably taking a trip or two up there and hung out with old Drew Benton. So I'd expect Drew Cook to do well in that one. Maybe win it sight fishing. But I also think if it was like a, a bladed jig bite or something like that, I think he'd do well as well. And then my my backup pick is Matt Airy. And uh, I think that Matt Airy has that Brian Thrift in him. And we know Brian Thrift won an FLW Tour event. They're running 100 spots a day with brush piles. That if there is any brush piles or that kind of fishing, Matt Airy was in that event years ago and knows how it went down. Sure. Uh, I believe that he he's going to take those notes made from when he fished there in the past into consideration there this time and i think that even if it's not a deep event that if it's maybe shallower brush piles or it's a you know some of those different characteristics maybe he was fishing shallower than he needed to in those events and and didn't win i think that he's going to have plenty of spots to run especially for a place that doesn't have a bunch of bassmaster history like it has a bunch of bassmaster history but nothing recently over the last 15 years i think he's probably one of the guys that has the most experience there maybe with his one or two trips yeah so um so I'm, I kind of went on the same logic of, of Ronnie in the sense that, uh, you know, you get to those April tournaments and you just have to be thinking, like, surely the fish will be spawning. That's going to be the deal. Um, and my two picks, so my first pick, uh, Stetson Blaylock. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, last year you saw him really excel in, uh, you know, on Hartwell sight fishing. And, um, you know, for some reason I just really like I like the possibility of him doing, uh, you know, getting it done there. Last year, you know, having a – big season getting a win you know it's I, I feel like that you know motivates guys to do it again you know people talk about that with the classic like winning one classic makes you just want to do nothing more than win another i think it's kind of the same you know same principle with a with a you know, elite win um and then also my second pick is going to be hunter shryock so also staying along the theme of sight fishing uh you know once again you know we may look back at this and that could be completely off the deal um, but, you know, you just like the odds of it being a sight fishing event, uh, you know, at least spawning event in April. Um, so both those guys kind of just going on the, the premises of think they can find enough fish if it's a looking at them kind of a, kind of tournament to, to make it work, you know. Well, when it's football or basketball or baseball, you can make predictions months in advance. 
and the reason you're wrong is because of injuries and, and different things that happen, sure. matchups. Well, in bass fishing, we predict things, and it's the weather, and it's the yeah. bass themselves, um, and it's the momentum of maybe they did well in the last event. So we expect to be wrong on some of these, but we just we just wanted to do this because yeah, why, sure. why not just for do it? Sure. So from Lake Eufaula, they go back-to-back to, back to Santee Cooper. Um, we haven't been there in a while for the elites, but who are your two picks? It's going to be that second week of April time period dangerous time of the year to maybe hit the century mark in that place. Yeah, so uh, my number one pick on the San- Sandy Cooper uh, is going to be John Cox. Uh, kind of staying with the same principle on the the sight fishing ordeal and like you know Ronnie said, big bags, big weights. Um, yeah, I, I think that just really sets up well for John Cox. Um, and I've got Brandon Cobb being my second pick. Also, same, same mindset, thinking, you know, spawning fish. Um, I think they'll be you know, quite a, quite a few different things you could do even, you know, beyond just look, you know, looking at them necessarily because, you know, no water clarity and everything. But, um, but I think Brandon Cobb could be, uh, could be deadly there as well. I mean, South Carolina, I don't know how much time he spends on Santee Cooper, but I mean, I have to think he's at least got some experience and I like, I just like his odds, uh, you know, coming through with the win last year or, you know, this, this year also, uh, on the same premises of Blaylock having won one last year. I mean, Cobb winning too, I think, you know, I think you you've seen that he can get it done over four days for sure. It's very very hard, very very hard, Kyle, not to pick Patrick Walters. Very hard, no doubt. Because if we thought Winya Bay was his home fishery, if if Winya Bay was his home fishery, then then like I don't know, his primary house is actually Santee Cooper. You know, like his vacation house is Winya Bay. His primary house is Santee Cooper because Walters has so much experience there, and it's so hard not to pick him. He made the top ten the final day at Winya last year, even though he didn't have a chance to win really on that final day. He needed a big, big bag. Uh, he still made the final day, which is very hard on a home fishery. But at Santee, man, there's just going to be so many big – On a, if this makes sense to you, tell me if this makes sense to you. In a, a tough tournament – on a tough fishery. Winya Bay is a tough fishery. No doubt. Uh, that time of the year, there's not many equalizers. You know, sure. like, if you know something about Winya Bay, it's so tough sometimes that that gives you an advantage. If you know something about Santee Cooper, when it's the spawn, you don't know anything about Santee Cooper because every right. because there's a nine-pounder laying around yeah. somewhere. Yep. And unless there's a major cold front, it's hard to see Patrick Walters having the full advantage that he could possibly have Certain, on that fishery. Yeah, but sure. if it's if it's warm and wide open, different conditions. I mean, and, yeah. he, he's just one of the guys. And I would love to see him prove us wrong because it's hard to win on your home lake unless it's something tough happens and it's in your wheelhouse, for sure. um, or it's foreign and no one's been there. But plenty of people know about Santee and have been there, so that'll be interesting. So, getting to my picks, I wanted to make that little. Uh, apology to Patrick Walters for not picking him. Yeah, but shout out Patrick Walters. I didn't yeah, pick yeah. him either, but it's like it's it's, it's, it's almost too easy of a pick too. If you if he you probably doesn't that. mind that, like you know, us <laughs> yeah, not putting the pressure, the pressure on it, off yeah. of him, yeah. even though he's gonna have everybody and his relatives and his mother and brothers and sisters and and his even his in laws will be there. So uh, don't worry, we'll mention Patrick Walters later on in the show. I have a I have a thing, but uh, a feeling about that. But Santee Cooper, I'm picking John Cox. Uh, I believe you picked him for Santee, and uh, I think him and Cypress Trees, like yeah. it's different than just sight fishing. I think he knows how to, like what what is one of the best baits around Cypress Trees? 
I mean, are you thinking uh, like wacky worm? A wacky worm, yeah. 100%. It's like you could flip there and get hung up so much, but you throw that wacky worm around and it just kind of floats yeah. in there, comes back out much easy. Yeah. I know I got beat down at an Arkansas lake with cypress trees by a dude throwing a wacky rig. Sure. So I know it works, and that's just something that John Cox is so good at. And I think that everyone expects him to win the St. John's River, or he's won at Chickamauga, and then he's you Lake Eufaula, like he's probably done well there. Sure. Everyone's expecting him to win. And so once that starts to fade away a little bit, maybe, when he doesn't get it done, maybe, maybe Santee's when he yeah. jumps in. So I think Santee is a place that John Cox could win. And I think another one is John Cruz. I think John oh, Cruz uh, is patient enough. He's done well in Florida. He's from Virginia, so he's probably got some of that tidal water experience. Not that Santee's title, but it it looks and fishes like a title. You know, it's it's just the lay of the lake looks like a, an old, historic, you know, weathered lake we'll sure. say sure. i think that cruz is a good pick for there as well so john cruz john cox not in that order john cox john cruz is how i picked them um and as we jump from the first four events in february and april we're going to jump to may and june um where we see the sabine river and lake fork and for the sabine river i told you it wasn't going to be long but i'm picking patrick walters for that event i feel like he is he's a, a grinder he likes those lower weight events and I feel like he'll do well at the, the, the Sabine River once he gets around them. you got to find them, and once you get a bite or two in an area, you know that there's probably a lot more there, and you can you can manage it. I think that Walters, for being a young angler, is very good at managing uh, water, and so I think that that is a good event for him. And I think Elite Series rookie Wes Logan is going to do well in that event too. He's a flipper. He's a he's a you know a dauber, if we want to call it that. And I think that, uh, you know, I think he's – He's cool with grinding it out. You know, I think he's cool with taking his time fishing some fishing some water for minimal bites, but for the right ones, I think sure. he's he's cool with that. And he's got fresh eyes. I like a guy, we've been to the Sabine River a couple of times. I like a guy with fresh eyes going to a place. Um, because they're gonna look at it a little different. I think he's gonna go and do his own thing and he might find a new area that hasn't been explored and be able to to prosper with it because it changes so much. Those rivers down there in the Gulf, they fluctuate so much, fish get pushed around with the salt water coming in and out. I think that he'll uh, he'll find his place there. See, now, that's funny you say that because my two picks were almost kind of picked based on the opposite logic, trying to think of, of you know, the guys that have fished the elites uh, maybe the longest, that have been there the most. Um, so my first pick is Matt Heron. Uh, I mean, last time we were there, I know he did well, um, you know, flipping and the, you could you could use the same concept of the the fact that he's just a grinder. You know, I think that I think that you know, aside from it being hot and it being tough, I think he's a guy that kind of will be able to look for you know look through it and um, grind it out. Like I said, especially flipping. I just like he's such a good flipper that I, I feel like even if he's not on him big time, I think that he can you know progressively each day figure it out as he goes. You know, flipping. Um, and then also went with Gerald Swindle. Um, if you remember the last time we were there as well, uh, made that last day push, um, just kind of, kind of the same principle, you know, figured it out as they went, um, you know, the emphasis, uh, Sabine river practice cap that he, uh, he wore with the one patch. So I think, I think he'll have some fun with it. And, um, like I said, we'll, we'll see whose logic will, will pan out there. But for some reason, I just like the idea of, um, you know, a, a place that's tough like that. Both those guys have been there, uh, you know, quite a few times and both had success there. So I think you also get the logic that some people look at that tournament and be like kind of daunting to them. 
kind of think like you know that that that's the questioning tournament right there like that could be the make or break situation um and you know those both those guys i think could you know you know could care less about that really and you know i could see them both getting a w there it honestly is the make-or-break tournament. You've got four events prior to the Sabine and four events after the Sabine, and sure. it is it is you know a nine-event season. Four before it, it's the fifth one, and then four after it. You really got to uh, make hay there. And so, those are our picks for St. John's, Chickamauga, Eufaula, Santee Cooper, and the Sabine River. Next after the Sabine, back-to-back weeks, a different time of year. Last year we were at Lake Fork, first week of May. A little bit different, had a lot of shallow fish, had a high water situation with a bunch of rain came in, and then there were still offshore fish, and we saw guys trying to spread themselves thin on both things. Guys would fish shallow, guys would fish deep, and they'd bounce back and forth, and we saw about half the top 10 was fishing deep, the Garrett Paquettes, the Brandon Cards, the Keith Combs, those guys, and then you had the guys fishing shallow, like the the Brandon Cobbs, the Micah Frazier's, guys like that. So. I think this year, with it being the the you know one and a half weeks of June, you know it's the it's the uh, I want to say since the Sabine ends the first few days of June, it's like the ninth, tenth, you know, somewhere around that region. It's like the almost the second week of June. Those fish should be definitively headed to their summer sure. patterns. The grass should be grown up a little bit more. That maybe that you know the guys who are shallow could frog a little bit more. And and I fully expect another century mark to be broken there. So with that being said, I'm probably going to go chalk with some of my picks, and that's going to be Keith Combs for Lake Fork. Man, it, it almost lined up for him. It was it was really weird watching him fish that early May event last year because he was kind of like, these fish are not where they need to be. They're wanting to be too shallow. They're moving on me. These schools aren't formed up deep where they should be, you know, here to stay for the rest of the summer. They were just getting to those portions. So he had to really work hard. I mean, I remember talking to him and he said, I made two or three rotations uh, and, and, and I didn't get a bite. So I did it backwards and ran the other way with my rotations. And then I started to get into him. And he's like, I, that was the weirdest thing. I have no idea why. But when he was around them, he really was around them. And so I think that if we're going to have a 100 pounds of cranking, at fork or something i believe that that's going to be right up uh keith combs he's got he knows plenty of places there at fork and my secondary pick is one brandon polinick oh. i feel like uh well he he almost busted the century market rayburn a few years ago for texas fest when he won but i feel that i feel that in one of these big fish events he's gonna he's gonna show up and i feel like with his electronics you know uh, ability and his skill with that, I feel like he'll be able to dissect fork and and be able to do well in that offshore game. But also, if it turned into a shallow deal for some reason, if 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 for some reason it was all about the frog game or something, I don't feel like he'd be too far, uh, you know, in the hole at that technique. So, what do you think for Lake Fork? Possible century mark. We saw it. We saw it. One hundred and fourteen pounds from Brandon Cobb last year, and he. His 38-pound day that he had, I mean, he caught one sight fishing that was 11 pounds. Then he caught a five-pounder on a frog. He caught a couple on a jerk bait. He caught a some on a top water. Like he caught him doing everything. A lot going on. Yeah. So, what do you think is going to be doing uh, in in that June time period? So, I'm going with the uh, theme of redemption for uh, the Lake Fork tournament. I got uh, Lee Livesey, my number one pick. Um, you know, that's not like a, a dark horse by any means, but just last year. Um, I'd be willing to say there hasn't been a day go by since that tournament that Lee Livesey has not thought about that tournament, just being that, um, you know, he's so good on that lake, obviously guides on that lake, um, you know, just one of the best fishermen on that lake, period. And, um, you know, I think in his mind he definitely dropped the ball on that one. 
And, uh, you know, same principle. I think somebody that spends as much time on that lake as he does, um, I think if the fish are positioned more offshore in some of these deeper spots and, and yeah, you know, set up correctly, I guess, if you, if you will, um, it's still going to benefit him just because, you know, someone with that much experience on that lake, in, given three days of practice, he's going to be able to, you know, figure out where those fish are and, um, you know, use his history, hopefully for his better good this, this year. Um, and then my second pick, I'm going with Chris Zaldane. Um, I just, I just like him in any big fish tournament. Um, I think that anytime, you know, he's, he's around biggins, he's got a knack for, uh, for catching them. And, um, you know, it might, it might not be, uh, a big swim bait deal like we saw last year. Um, but even if not, you know, once again, if they get positioned up offshore and ganged up, I like to think that, uh, Chris Zaldane could pull through and get a W as well. So going into St. Lawrence, who are your picks? Uh, we'll go from Lake Fork. That'll end the southern swing. We'll jump up to the St. Lawrence River, and it'll be back-to-back St. Lawrence River and Lake Champlain. That is late July, and then Champlain would be July slash August. So for late July, St. Lawrence River, who are your picks? Um, so it's kind of funny. So the last three events, I feel like you could take the six guys that I picked theoretically and switch, you know, swip, swap them up and place them however you want, just cause I feel like they're really good up North. Um, but for the St. Lawrence, I got Brandon Polnick, um, and you know, at the top, um, you know, I think, uh, obviously his history there, he's, you know, he's just super good. Like, like you were saying on his electronics and, um, finding those fish, uh, you know, especially those smallmouth Northern events and, and then uh, my second pick would be Brandon Lester. I'm just kind of going, once again, a little bit off history. But I think the more that dude fishes up north, the better he gets. Um, so, I mean, it's it's hard to hard to root against him in that event as well. I think either of those guys could easily um, come through and win it. Well, my, my picks are going to be uh, those prototypical smallmouth anglers. And one that I think you were talking about redemption for Lake Fork. Mine's going to be redemption based for this first pick for St. Lawrence river, because Corey Johnston, I mean, to lose angler of the year by like eight points, but, to to literally have everything that happened to him at the St. Lawrence in 2019. So if you do not know day one, he makes a long run down towards the mouth of Ontario, you know, within limits of the St. Lawrence river. And he, he runs down there, breaks down I believe he caught you know when he broke down he caught like a small limit or something for 13 pounds or something like that finally got another boat to him he gets in that boat makes a run down goes to deploy his trolling motor that sucker comes off the bracket and starts going nuts he finally gets that all figured out catches 22 pounds then he starts cruising back and realizes when he gets near the ramp everyone's running in with a little bit more urgency and I thought I gave myself plenty of time to come in and then he realizes when they reset the graphs uh to default um because you know he was borrowing a boat so they they wiped it clean of waypoints and whatnot and they um you know so that reset the time to default daylight savings or whatever the case may be his his clocks were wrong and instead of being 53 minutes early he was seven minutes late and then he ended up trying to recover and was the first person to miss the cut for day three there. So I know that Corey Johnston was on the quality fish to be in that top 10 on that going into the final day um, at the St. Lawrence River. And I feel like this year, no errors. You know, you can never tell when you're going to have errors, but 
No errors on his part. He could fish to his full potential and do well at the St. Lawrence River. And then another one I've got, uh, one that's a first-year Elite Series pro, and that's Austin Felix. So Austin Felix is from Minnesota. He lives there at the Minnetonka area. He's fished Mille Lacs plenty, but he's really good with his electronics and good with smallmouth. He's done well at Lake Champlain before, done well at all those great lakes up there, and I feel like this is going to be a one that's right in his wheelhouse. I don't know if St. Clair or Champlain is going to be necessarily as much in his wheelhouse, but I feel like the St. Lawrence River is going to be right there for Felix to to surprise some folks. You know, every single pro's got their introduction time, you know, that event that they shine, and I think Felix will do well throughout the year, but I feel like that's going to be the one where his name gets big as he competes for a title at the St. Lawrence River. So, those are my two picks, Corey Johnston and Austin Felix, one Canadian, one Minnesotan that are, are good at smallmouth. Um, as we move over to Lake Champlain, I've got Garrett Paquette on my radar there. He's What was really weird was he was doing so well in points in the southern swing. Then we were headed up north in 2019, and I was like, man, Paquette's going to keep it going. He's going to do well. He's going to get in that top 15 in points, and he's going to be doing fine. Well, the last couple of events of the year, they were all smallmouth-based events. He... I'm not going to say choked, but he struggled mightily, even on his home fishery of St. Clair. So I feel like uh, he put a lot of pressure on himself to do well in those events, and, and that was at St. Lawrence, Cayuga, and St. Clair, respectively. But this year, with it being St. Lawrence, Champlain, and St. Clair, I feel like Paquette can do well with largemouth or smallmouth at Champlain, and that'll be uh, for the taking there. That'll also relieve some pressure from him at St. Clair if he can do well there. He won't have so much pressure. And then my second pick is one that's probably the most almost for sure thing that you can have on the elites is Brian Schmidt at Champlain. Even though he's from the Chesapeake Bay, Potomac River region, he is really good at, at Champlain. That is That has got to be one of his best records and ratios you know, on his resume at Champlain. He's won an Open there. Uh, he's won a tour event there. He's done very well at Lake Champlain. So I'd expect Brian Schmidt to, to be a pick there, and people might not – I mean, people won't know how much of a chalk pick that is until they get to know Brian Schmidt, but it is 100%. I am, don't think I'm some predictor because he does well. That's the event he's supposed to do the best on in the Elite Series in his first year in 2020. So who do you think at Lake Champlain would be your two picks? So kind of sticking with the, what I said earlier about how you could basically throw most of the names of these last three events in a hat and pick them for, you know, either of the three events. Um but I got Chris Johnston uh, going with another Johnston brother um, as my first pick. And then my second pick would be Chris – or actually, uh, I, I, I had Chris Eldane, but I, I switched it last second to Seth Fighter. So um, with Champlain, I think it's it's just interesting in the fact that there's – it's not purely always a smallmouth deal. There's always, you know, uh, the grass fishermen, you know, there, there's, there's different things to go on there. Um, and I think – Seth Fighter is good, you know, really good. Um, obviously, a smallmouth fisherman. That's what most people want to consider him. But obviously, I think you, you hear him say it a bunch, you know, just about how how much he likes fishing grass and how much he, you know, almost really prefers to do that over smallmouth fish. Um, so, event like that where I think you'd, you know, potentially have two options. Um, I think that makes somebody like Seth Fighter super super dangerous. Well, and Seth, he's won two Elite Series events, both of them with smallmouth at Mille Lacs and then St. Clair, but he's almost called his shot with two top fives at Champlain and Cayuga yeah, doing that sure. grass deal. So uh, either way he goes about it, he'll be he'll be in good shape there. For St. Clair, uh, 
who do you have? I mean, these are going to be – this is the last event of the year. It's not the Angler of the Year championship. It's just the last finale of the elite season in August, Lake St. Clair. Um, we obviously were familiar with it with three days for the AOI championship in 2019. Would have been on pace to break 100 pounds there. Do you think we get 100 pounds, and who are your two picks? Um, I think – yeah, yeah, I hate to I hate to say you do just because it's so tough to do that smallmouth fishing. Um, obviously, it's possible. Um, I, I I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say just shy of it. Just play the safe bet on that one. Um, and then also I've got Corey Johnston. I think there's a really good chance come that event. Um, he's in a really good position AOI, obviously like he was last year. Um, both the Johnson brothers are just so consistent. Um, you'd like to think that there's gonna be a lot of implications on the line for that tournament. Uh, at least, you know, there's a fair possibility that it could be the case. And, um, you know, I just, anytime there's smallmouth factoring, the Johnson brothers are, are just as tough as it gets. Um, and then I got Paul Mueller as my second pick. I just, uh, I, I, I like Paul Mueller, obviously another guy that, uh, you know, really good on his electronics. I think, uh, you know, great follow on social media. If you don't follow him already, uh, you know, he's super, uh, in depth with a lot of his stuff and you know for some reason i just uh i got a i got a good feeling paul mueller on the at st Clair. so over under there's 88 elite series pros in 2020 over under that 44 go check seth fighters spot at st Clair. <laughs> i'd say pretty i'd say over for sure <laughs> I'm gonna take the over you gotta just one. idle by and take see over. you gotta idle by and see so my two picks at st Clair. i think chris saldane does it I think he gets his another blue trophy. He got one, obviously, uh, or he got at least a win on the Elite Series at Sturgeon Bay for an AOI championship in 2015. I think he gets a blue trophy at Lake St. Clair. Uh, man, he was on some really big fish. Like, he was on some of the biggest bites of the week. Like, you know, I think he had two or three six-plus pounders. But he just didn't. He just didn't have the rest of the size. Right. With it being August and not late September, that event was getting to the point where it was almost. You know, it. I think the the year ended October first. Like it was totally different. I think these fish will be deeper. the The rivers will factor. Even though you can only go so far in the Detroit River South, you can go a little bit farther. Um, you know, than than that distance up north going towards Huron. So. I think Zaldane, the, I think it'll fish bigger. I think that there'll be some deeper fish to be caught. Some of those current breaks that we're used to seeing them catch them on, I think they'll factor this year because of being in August. People are always like, oh, well, what's the difference in August and September? Those fish in September have just a little bit of time that they can get up there and make hay feeding shallow before it gets sure. so cold. So I think that that's why a lot of those fish were shallower. We saw him doing the swim bait deal with a spinning rod up in, I mean, like a six pounder at the boat and you can see the bottom, you know, in, in five or six feet of water. So I think there'll be a little bit deeper. Some of those predominant, like normal community holes will factor sure. like they didn't factor, um, in 2019. So I've got Chris Saldane and then I've got Clifford Perch. I think Clifford I like Perch, it. uh, we, we've mentioned some really savvy electronics anglers and I wish we could do a rundown without offending anybody in the world of like our, of the best 10 elite series guys at their electronics. Sure. And I think that that would be a really cool thing. And Perch would be on there. Um, he's done very well. Uh, you know, he's never missed the classic in his elite series time. I think that's eight in a row. He's made it since he made the elites. And I think that he's just one that we're waiting for it. I'm, I'm really waiting to see him just just smash him and we've seen him get close at the st lawrence river in in past years like i think 2013 he was close 
uh, to doing well there. And then Havasu, he did well with electronics, and that's more of a home lake for him. So I really expect Clifford Perch to shine in one of those smallmouth events, and I'll go ahead and say it's St. Clair. So now that we've ran down all nine Elite Series events, we got, I got one question. Who do you have winning Angler of the Year, and who's another guy that you think will be factoring that might that might be close in the discussion? So I guess just okay. So when we did this, I didn't even write down two AOI. So this is off the off the top. But I will say, uh, going on the theme that I was just talking about with Corey Johnston, uh, I just I, I like his odds. I, I think that um, you know Ronnie has mentioned it. I mentioned it as well. Um, you know, redemption's got to be on his mind because you know you can look at almost any uh, AOI season or really any season for you know any guy, the classic cut line, you know whatever it may be. And you can always point it back to like one day or one situation. You know, if that day happened differently, like I'd be the runaway AOI guy, or uh, you know, it's so funny how that works. I mean, like a hour span can make up a make or break a year. Um, and I think that you know somebody like Corey Johnston, I think he could take that momentum and what happened last year to like you know just to drive him this year. Um, and I really, really like Corey Johnston. I mean, I know it's not like a dark horse pick in the sense that he did so well last year but you have to think that uh that has to be a factor in the sense that you know, once they get back and get revenge on them um i'll let then, you i'll let you think about a second one unless you have one do you have a second yeah, one okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna go brandon Polnick for the second one i know that's a uh, you know another one you'd say uh that's a easy pick you know he's won the aoy before but at the same point you know um brandon is is you know easily uh it's it's easy to read him via his uh, you know YouTube series and everything. He's just a super motivated guy as it is. Um, so you know that this season means a lot to him to come back and uh, you know have the opportunity to to come back with a bang. And um, I, I just think that uh, there's a good chance that Brandon Polnick, uh you know is going to be the model of consistency and pull through and you know get him another AOI. Well, I'm glad your two off the top of your head picks were not my two picks. So I'm going to surprise some people. I think, but I feel that Brandon Lester has a really, really good shot of winning Angler of the Year this year. So now bear with me and listen. Brandon Lester has normally done well in Florida in the Opens, uh, Kissimmee Chain, Harris Chain, whatnot. Let's just say even if he's not vying for a title, he's not bombing. He's not going to bomb. I feel like he could... You know, and obviously we're gonna know over the next few days if if he sure. bombs the first one. But sure. I feel like he's gonna be pretty rock solid at the St. John's. His his floor isn't too low, and his ceiling is is pretty high there. Then we go to Chickamauga, somewhere he's got more experience than most lakes. That in Gunnersville, he's fished there quite a bit. He sure. lived it. He went to UT Chattanooga mm-hmm. um, in college. He knows Chickamauga pretty well. It fits his style, and I feel like that he he will shine in that event. I obviously have him as the winner in that event. So I feel like that every single year, someone's got you've you've got to win, or you've got to have three or four top fives. Yeah, and Canterbury right. didn't win, but he had three or four right there Real near close, the tops. Yeah. You know, Cayuga uh, he missed the final day. I misspoke there, but um, the St. John's he made the final day, started the year off strong, and then you know he had the St. Lawrence River. He had second place at Winyaw Bay. So there's a lot of uh, places that he's been close at winning, but didn't win. I feel like you got to win one this year to win Angler of the Year. So Brandon Lester, um, you know, I mentioned those first two. Ufala, I think that that's totally going to be fine. Santee, I think he'll he'll be up his alley. Sabine, he is incredible at getting a couple bites and making them last. 
uh, Lake Fork. He's got experience there from last year. Then we get to the St. Lawrence River, Champlain, and St. Clair. I think he's going to just hold steady and do that. I don't know if he's going to be like have a big lead and let it evaporate to the smallmouth guys or if he will just maintain like Canterbury did this year and sure. keep keep pace. But I like Brandon Lester. And then my second pick would be Keith Combs. I think Keith Combs is motivated. I think that uh, after a bad St. John's event last year, he still finished 12th in points, which is pretty incredible. Um, so I think that Combs uncharacteristically did bad at the St. John's in 2019 and still had a really good year. I feel that he is is primed for that. Um, I feel like this is a power fishing, big bass, just wreck them when you have them. Don't be saving your 25 pounds and weigh in 23. No, go catch 25 because you're yeah. going to need it. And I feel like Combs is one of the biggest angler, best anglers at catching big fish. And so Lester and Combs are my two picks. I liked your picks. I didn't really disagree with any of them. I, I think that I could see exactly why why you picked them. And so it'll be interesting to see how the nine elite series events pan out in 2020 and uh, see who takes home the angler of the year, the rookie of the year. It's a smaller field than, than it was last year. I think there's only like seven or eight guys that can be rookie of the year, I, I believe. And, um, of those guys, a lot of them are already very skilled tour pros that just came, came over from having an established career at FLW. So yeah, I'm excited to see how the, 2020 season rolls out but there we are we just gave our predictions for the events who's gonna win them who we uh, who we think so maybe a wild card or another person that will factor so take that into consideration for fantasy take that into consideration if you're betting a buddy whatever it is but there are 20 picks from us 18 guys that should factor in the elite events and then two guys in angler of the year uh thanks for joining me kyle appreciate you yeah, coming on the podcast absolutely absolutely like i like you know like we've mentioned uh super just super excited for this year i think uh going through this list and talking it out you know each event once we get to talk about i was like man i think you could have easily picked this guy or this guy or this guy um just shows how stout of a field we've got and uh 2020 should be a heck of a year no doubt i'm excited thank you guys for joining us episode 10 cast a podcast with ronnie moore in the books talking 2020 elite series season as you're listening to this the elite series event is going on at the st john's river right now so join us on bassmaster live each day from 7 30 a.m eastern time 7 30 a.m eastern time all the way uh through 2 30 p.m eastern time we will be live in many forms facebook bassmaster.com and live mix on bassmaster.com so join us it should be a great year excited to see the competitive anglers and how it all folds out